I'm Holly. And I'm Haley. Welcome to Mountain Mysteries, Tales from Appalachia. welcome back thank you again for joining us yes i came back this week you did come back yeah yes we are back we are back (laughs) and we are doing it (laughs) as we're supposed to yeah look at us look at us being we understood the assignment (laughs) sorry you know that's always on instagram Mm -hmm. or something i understood the assignment i know now that i'm working like in the field again and working with kids i'm like trying to keep up with all the the things and they're all like on tiktok i know which i downloaded it a while ago but apparently the way like i guess the algorithm works that you know videos that you interact with are like kind of puts you like you see more of the same thing mm-hmm. so i'm on like teacher tiktok and like mental health tiktok <laughs> and grandma tiktok of like crocheting and oh it's so cute gardening and cats outdoor that's sweet it's really cute so mine's pretty wholesome i didn't know that there were like elderly tiktoks oh yeah there's this one lady that i will i don't follow her but she pops up on my like page all the time um that just goes to like random stores and talks about her shopping experience and she's like in her 80s and it's hilarious for some reason. Interesting. It's so funny. I'll have to send it to you. Hmm. When I run across it again. You know, I, I was thinking about it. You're right about the algorithms because I do that a lot on YouTube where, mm-hmm. you know, similar things will pop up. And I actually, I look at weird stuff. No, 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 not, not that kind of weird stuff, but like stuff like, okay, I like, I'm really into car detailing. Oh yeah. Like cleaning. I, yes. Videos, I'm with you. I'm fascinated by that. And also my newest, I have two new things. One are, um, this one guy who like goes to lawns that are like way overgrown and like for free Uh he will like mow them and take care of them and like make them look gorgeous again i love that i don't know if it's like the social worker charity side you know that's like oh or just the satisfaction of seeing the project yeah maybe i do like mowing so that could be it yeah and then the other one is um this british guy and he's a He's called the pool guy, and he cleans out yes. pools. And he says, "For all your pool need, holler at your boy." And he always says this, and I, I'm like, "All right." I he, feel like I should. And he always says, "The water." He, he, you know, he doesn't use the tea. The water. He's like, "Oh, the water looks kind of green." You know, just take care of this. Holler at your boy. And it's interesting but nonetheless he does a great job and i love watching how they clean out these pools and oh my gosh these guys work so hard yeah um that's not easy work it is not easy work i'm sure he makes good money but it is fascinating something's wrong with me um my (laughs) go-to on youtube I'm not really even YouTube, like any kind of like, I guess my satisfying video, like I like the cleaning ones. I like all kind of that. I'm not into like the pimple popping thing. I do like that. 
I can't do the pimple popping earwax removal. Is that your thing? I love it. I, I haven't gotten into that. You'll have, you gotta, I probably will. Like it's it. so satisfying that and chiropractor videos hmm. of people getting their bodies popped. I know you would like that for I, sure. Because, but then I'm like, oh, I need to go back to my chiropractor. Yeah, same. I haven't been in like, yeah. probably before my child was born. Oh, God. Like, it's been a minute. Probably the summer before. Yeah, it's been a hot minute. It's been a hot minute. Well, I'm in between insurances right now, so I'm waiting. Yeah, I was saying, don't, don't make any sudden moves. I know. <laughs> Get it? Right. <laughs> Gosh. Oh, for all this gentle humor, that's why you come. I get it. <laughs> You're welcome. All right. Well, we are going to take a journey back to the Appalachian Trail. Boy, we were there a couple of weeks ago. I know. I like to just keep us mostly coming back. harmless. <laughs> coming back to the AT. Okay. You know, I like to make sure that we're we're around it every right. once in a while. I like it. Let's do it. All right. So I actually have two different stories here because they're both pretty short and there's not a whole whole lot of information on there so we're gonna do these two kind of mini stories in one this gotcha. week the first one we're gonna talk about is the story of louise chaput chaput c-h-a-p-u-t chaput sure sure all right going back to 2001 on november 15th of 2001 louise chaput uh she's age 52 arrived at the appalachian mountain club visitor center there, she reserved a room at the Joe Dodge Lodge. Say that five times fast. Joe Dodge Lodge. Joe Dodge. Joe Dodge Lodge. And was going to spend some time hiking um, along the Appalachian Trail. Now, this is not, you know, what I would consider a relaxing weekend. But for Louise, <laughs> the, she was very excited. And about she was this. by herself, right? Yes, by oh. herself. No. No. I would say, screw the Dodge Lodge. I'm going to go get my nails did. <laughs> well, my um, cousin is in town. Um, he's a student at UNC Chapel Hill, and he's in town this week for their spring break. And had said he's going to go on a solo 20-mile overnight hike on the AT. Why? And I was like, this is right after I'd researched these stories that he was telling me this. I was like, Mm-mm, no, sir. No, you should not. You don't do that. And you I mean, he's yourself. like an experienced hiker. He's, you know, done solo hikes and camped out, done multiple day trips. No, it's not worth it. Just I was like, no. no, no. Why don't you have dinner with us instead? Why don't, why don't you like, like snuggle with your mommy? But he's um, <laughs> apparently on the trail, or was going to be on the trail today and doing just a, a day Please, hike. Please, for the love of Pete, don't become a story. Right. I know. I'll have to call. I need to text him and be like, hey, you alive? Please do. <laughs> so that, like, my mother heart can rest. Okay, I'll text him right now. Okay, good. Okay. Yeah. So as we're talking about um, Louise. So she loved to hike and particularly loved the area of Mount Washington Valley. Her daughter, Connie told her, you know, be careful, don't do anything dangerous. Um, and Louise jokingly kind of told her daughter, like, I'm fine, um, but if I'm not back on Monday, you can call the police. OMG, you're always on my back, daughter. Back off. Right, like, I'm fine. <laughs> this is, 
you know, you're just worried about nothing. It'll be totally fine. So around 3 p.m., Louise asked a worker at the Pinkham Notch Visitor Center for directions for a short hike that would get her back to the lodge before dark. So being responsible. The worker suggested that she take a walk around the Lost Pond Trail, which was right across the street from the lodge. Now, I don't know about you. I don't want anything about lost. Or pond. I'm all right with pond. No, you could be drowned. I'm lost, I don't want to be in the woods. No, thank you. I don't want to be there, period. I wouldn't ask anybody because I'd be at the nail salon. Pink and white, please. So. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Maybe a pedicure. So her talking to this worker about the Lost Pond Trail would be the last time that anyone would see her alive. No. So Do you think sorry. that worker feels super guilty now? Probably. No, and I I hear that a lot of like you know, oh I'm she was the last person. Right, right, right. But like she was the last person to see her alive or you know, they were the last people that she saw and somebody has to be the last person. Right. I it's mean, true. It's I gotta mean, be somebody. Yeah. Like sucks that it's you. Sorry. My uncle was the last to see my grandma before she died. Yeah. And it sucks that it had to be him, you yeah, know. Yeah, but it's but gotta be somebody. It's gotta be somebody. You're right. It's gotta You're be right. somebody. Glad it wasn't me. Right. So when she did not return home on Monday, like she had said, her friends and family reported her as missing to the police. Authorities responded and they found her car a silver Ford Focus. Parked at the, can't say that name, Diretissima. Sure. Sure. Trailhead, which was across from the Lost Pond Trailhead. Police think that someone stole the keys to her car, but not the actual car for some reason. That's interesting. Super weird. Maybe thinking, I'll come back later, or maybe not knowing where the car was. Right. I wonder if she had um, a clicker that they could, like, see if or they could find it. maybe when they came back out, there were several people there, and it would look weird for him to be, like, trying the key could or, be. like... But you would think he would come back for it. Right. Hmm. You would think. But that didn't end up happening. In the car, they found her hiking shoes with her water bottle and chocolate which were two things that apparently she never went anywhere without. Like, even on a short hike, she took her water bottle and some chocolate. Just in case she needed it. Hmm. Her large backpack was also not in the car. Two days later, on November 22nd, hikers found Louise's body. Oh. So, I mean, horrific that she died. Small graces, though, that she was found quickly. And, like, the family gets a little bit of... It almost felt like you were leading into maybe she had decided to go off on her own. Like, I didn't expect in that moment for her to die because I thought maybe she had, like, decided, okay, this is it. You know, she took I'm her off. backpack and I'm off and I'm going to leave this new life. And No, they found, they found her body. What happened to her? I'm glad you asked. You're welcome. Thanks. So she was found about 200 yards from the Glen Boulder Trail, uh, which is about a quarter of a mile from the lodge, which led to Mount Isolation. 
Dear God, I don't like the names of these things. <laughs> either. It just keeps getting worse. Lost, isolation. This is depressing. This is bad. Bad, bad, bad. So this caused investigators to believe that she must have decided to hike this trail towards Mount Isolation <laughs> instead of the easier trail around Lost Pond. <sighs> so she thought she got to Lost Pond and was like, nah, not for me. Went across the street. Maybe there were too many people at Lost Pond. And she's like, I don't want to be lost with these people. I want to go be isolated. I don't want any of it. No. So she went towards Mount Isolation. I'm sorry, but some of this sounds like Death Death Valley or right, something. Right. An autopsy revealed that she had been stabbed multiple times, Ugh. and so they obviously ruled her death as a homicide. 20-plus years later, there have been no new leads or information on the case. So that's just it? That's it. The case remains on the cold case unit's victims list in Canada, because she was from Canada. Gotcha. Um, but has not gotten any traction. Authorities recognize this is a tough case, and they say it's mainly due to the fact that there was no witness, no physical evidence. She was hours from home and in another country. And that's what I was going to ask. Was there any DNA? But No physical yeah. evidence. Wow. Or no physical evidence that's been, like, reported out. Was anything missing from her person? Like, jewelry, money? Yes, so we'll talk about that. Okay. Um, the records confirmed that she entered the U.S. in Norton, Vermont at 11.45 on November 15th, 2001. A credit card receipt in her car showed that she was at a convenience store in Colebrook about an hour later. So they know kind of where she came in. She made it to this lodge. They've got all that kind of information. Her dark blue backpack with a Canadian flag on the outside, her green sleeping bag, and the keys to her car have never been found. So did whoever kill her take those things? But also, she left her water bottle and chocolate and hiking shoes in the car. So what was she hiking the trail with? Unless she had made it to her car. She So... My thought is that she, maybe she did the hike, came back to her car, and then got forced back into the woods. Maybe at knife point. And then stabbed, and then they took her keys. And came. But why not take the car? Yeah, I don't understand that piece. Why just take some of her stuff? Maybe they felt like taking the car would be easy to track. Yeah. Especially since it was Canadian, you know. It's not like it's like, oh, there's a you know, right. typical license plate. Or it could have been somebody walking the trail. I mean, it could have been somebody... It had to, I mean... You yeah. would think. I mean, somebody walking the trail, and they took that stuff because it was good supplies. Yeah. To be on the trail with. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Hmm. Authorities believe, you know, this was a random killing that she didn't. They didn't think that she knew the person or anything right. like that. It was just totally random. Uh, it was also apparent from her autopsy that she did put up a fight. That she good. fought for her life. 
Um, as time has passed, authorities are hoping that a witness may come forward. But as of now, um, there has been no justice for Louise and no closure for her family. Oh, gosh. Really sad. Yes, very much so. Yes. Okay. Now we're going to move on and talk about Rebecca White and Claudia Brenner. So this one takes us back to May of 1988. Okay. So we're going, going even further back. Going a little bit further back. On May 13th of 1988, Rebecca White and her partner, Claudia Brenner, went hiking on the AT in Pennsylvania. So they're up north, starting up north. They had parked their car at, again with the names, the Dead Woman Hollow No Trail. No. There's a little bit of foreshadowing there. <laughs> Sorry. No. And hiked into the... Again, these names. Mitchell, Mitch, Mitchell, M-I-C-H-A-U-X. Mitch, Mitchell. Sure. State Forest. Sure. Where they set up camp. White went down to the restroom at the campground. So this was like a one that had the public bathroom oh, attached to yeah. it, which is, you know, very nice. Yeah. Uh, before turning, you know, before they were going to turn in for the evening, she went down to the restroom. And apparently they were going to set up camp and, like, spend the evening, like, the afternoon, evening, just hanging out at this campsite. There she ran into a man uh, named Stephen Roy Carr. Carr sometimes lived in a cave nearby. (laughs) No, is this your... Is this your Bigfoot or those mm. those men we talked about? No. Those well, maybe. Um, he was a monster for sure, but lived oh, in a no. cave nearby. <laughs> sometimes lived there. I don't know where he lived other times, but sometimes apparently in this cave. Um, and he carried a twenty-two caliber rifle. Oh, jeez. He asked White for a cigarette. Uh, she said, you know, I don't, don't have a cigarette. Sorry. And went back to the campsite where Brenner was. Uh, she told... She told her that, hey, there's somebody else at this campsite. You know, maybe we should move and find somewhere that's not as populated. Yeah. Uh, Brenner agreed and, you know, they got kind of redressed and put on their packs and everything packed up and moved to a new campsite. Started walking, you know, on the trail. They ran into car again later that day on the trail. Um, He stopped them and asked to look at their map. Um, And they were like, I mean, sure. And then he moved on. So they were like, okay, weird dude. See you later. Yeah. Hopefully never. Brenner and White uh, found a new spot and set up camp. Uh, They made dinner and then were having kind of a romantic evening um, and began to have sex. Gotcha. All this time, Carr was watching them. Oh, God. From about 80 feet away. Oh, way closer than I So he's... He's watching them from the trees. What a creepo. Super, super creepo. He takes his rifle and fires eight bullets into the tent. Brenner was hit five times in the arm, face, head, and neck. Wright was shot twice um, in the back and in the head. The last shot fired hit Wright in the liver and like shredded her liver. White was unable to stand, so Brenner hiked the three miles. So Brenner's been hit five times. 
with bullets. So she's been shot five times. Has to hike three miles out to find anybody. So she's just, you know, hoping this guy's gone, like that he's fired. Yeah. So she's like having to get out of there. Hikes three miles back to the road where she had to flag down a ride to the police station because this is the 80s. So she's able to flag somebody down, gets a ride to the police station where she told, you know, the police what had happened. And the police then, you know, go to the campsite. Well, then they have to hike, you know, three miles in. Yeah. Unfortunately, at this point, White has died from her injuries. Wow. So the horror one of having to leave your partner... Because you've been shot five times. You can't carry your partner out. This rando could still be out there. Could still pop out and take his revenge. So you have a three-mile hike out of the woods at night to try to find help, praying that somebody will stop. And take you. And how being that wounded do you have the clarity of mind? You know? That's just a miracle. Yeah, it's And so she survived. She survived. Wow. So police get there and they find White's body. Carr um, had taken off after the shooting. Uh, He believed that he had killed both women. So it sounds kind of like he fired these shots, didn't hang around, and just was like, obviously they're dead, took off. He left 25 rounds of ammo at the scene and a knit cap that he wore. So not the smartest guy. Yeah. For 10 days, he hid out in a Mennonite community. Hmm. And now this is smart. So if you know anything about Mennonites, they don't watch TV. Nope. They don't read the paper. They are very... It's a very closed society. Mm-hmm. Like you are... They don't really interact with the outside world. They don't have a lot of outside influence. It's a very, like, tight-knit, religious community. Kind of similar to the Amish. Sort of. They have... um, I've I've met many uh, Mennonite. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it depends on sort of the order. And, you know, I I met some that, you know, they have email. Mm -hmm. They do that kind of thing, you know. Um, They have cell phones, but um, they homeschool, and it's a little bit more, it's a mix of, like, traditional with a tiny bit of tech, just a tiny bit, not a lot. Yeah, some, like, groups of Mennonites have kind of had more of that influence. Yeah. But you still have your more traditional ones that don't. Definitely. And, and of course, like, there's not, like, medicine, so they do a lot of homeopathic kind Mm -hmm. of things, Um, a lot of essential oils and that kind of stuff, so yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's super fascinating. Yeah. So, so he's hiding out there. Right. He's hiding out with these, the, in this Mennonite community. Um, they don't watch TV or read the newspaper in that community. So It actually is smart. They had no idea that he was a suspect mm. in this murder. However, one member of the community, which I have a feeling would have been me, had secretly <laughs> been watching the news and recognized Carr from the sketch. Yep. So he saw him recognized him and had the, I mean, like hats off to this, you know, member for going to the police and saying, you know, cause that's can get you in big trouble yeah. in that community. Like you broke the rules of, 
you know, your community that's pretty found, frowned upon. But also, you're protecting your community. Right, at the same time. So, so yeah, I'm sure that was a lot of internal conflict for that sure. person. But I'm glad that, you know, they made the decision to, to do that. Me too. So police were able to arrest Carr, and they actually brought him in on an outstanding warrant from Florida for grand larceny. So they picked him up. What I imagine kind of went, Stole probably light. went down. They were like, hey, you're wanted for this. You got to come with us. They get him there and start they... talking about all this stuff. So they were able to present him with the evidence from the murder. Um, he actually waived his right to a jury trial so that he could avoid the death penalty. Because if you go, a jury has to be the one to vote on death sentence. So if you waive your right to jury trial, you can avoid. When he felt highly likely that he would get the death penalty had it gone to the jury. Yeah. Yeah. So he is not having a jury trial. They are able to move straight into like a sentencing trial. At the sentencing trial, he claimed that he had been enraged by the sight of two women having sex and claimed that they were taunting him by having sex in front of him um he followed them Mm -hmm. he was stopping and watching all evening long so what right yeah doesn't really track oh my god his attorney claimed that he had been repeatedly raped and sexually abused while he was in prison in florida and that that was what had caused his inexplicable rage Listen, you know, someone who is sexually assaulted does have a lot of rage against, you know, a can against someone who has harmed them. It, it you know, that makes sense. However, um, murder, murdering someone, you know, because you're angry at what someone else did. Yeah, that's that's no, inexcusable. No, no that nope, doesn't, that's, doesn't exactly work. No. Um, the judge agreed. Um, okay. The judge refused to allow this as evidence saying it was irrelevant to the case. He's like, I don't even care about that. Um, He also did not allow the nature of White and Brenner's relationship to be disclosed in court. Good. So it was not brought up. This is the 80s. It's Pennsylvania, which is a little bit more progressive. progressive, But this is also rural Pennsylvania. So not as progressive. Well, and, and I would say, um, try not to make it that that was the thing, you know, right. like these were two individuals who were murdered in cold, well, one was murdered in cold blood and the mm-hmm. other was, you know, significantly wounded. So right. yeah, like these are people, like it's, it's not it any matter? orientation. Yeah. Right. Uh, the defense accepted a sentence of life without the possibility of parole. So that is what it is. Um, On March 8th of 1991, so several years later, Carr appealed based on the court not allowing his psychosexual history to be introduced into court. So he was like, well, you should know about my trauma and why I did this and yada, yada, yada. Um, The appeal was denied by the Superior Court of Pennsylvania. They said, no, we don't care. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Like, it's not relevant. You murdered people. Right. You know. They have the the saying of like, hurt people, hurt people. Well, hurt people don't always murder people, so. 
It's true. Yeah, you can't can't. You can be that. hurt, but you can have better coping skills. Right. No, that's not murder. Right. Uh, after the trial, Brenner, who was the the one who survived, um, moved to Ithaca, New York. There, she wrote a book about her her ordeal called Eight Bullets: One Woman's Story of Surviving Anti-Gay Violence." Um, which I would love to read. Yeah. Um, she's also become a speaker and gives talks on um, against anti-gay violence. That's awesome. So she has tried to kind of turn this experience into a way to educate others and, you know, keep, you know, her partner's memory alive. And Has she had any lasting physical effects that was... Not that I read um, in the articles I could find. I'm sure her book probably goes into a lot more of that. Oh, so I want to read that. I know it's on. I've added it to like my list of things. Oh my gosh, to read. There's so many on our list now. But yep, she um, she went through a horrific ordeal, and I'm sure had to. Deal with all that you know, trauma. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm so grateful, though, that she is sharing her story mm-hmm. and helping so many others. Yeah, I think it would be very easy and, well, not easy, but understandable if she just, you know, curled up into a ball and never talked about it, never wanted to be part of society again. I mean, like, I would understand it. But then how do you keep your partner's memory alive? You don't do it from the inside of your covers. You do it from speaking out. And yeah. she's, she's she's doing, doing that. that. That's beautiful. Yeah. Wow. Oh, why do you yeah. do this to me? I know. But I'm, I'm glad that that one ended with some positive with some resolution. Reframe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. he is serving, you know, life in prison. Good. Um, I assume still in prison. Now, unless he's dead, which, you know, would be all right, too. Um, And she is, you know, has done all this stuff. That's amazing. That's awesome. So that is um, a couple stories from the Appalachian Trail. Just more reason for me not to go hiking the Appalachian Trail. Right. I mean, I would love to go on, like, a very short, easy, well-populated, like, walk in nature Every once in a while. I like to go to the park. Yeah, maybe walk walk down to like see a waterfall or something. And then come back to my car. I like the park. <laughs> <laughs> I like the park too. I take my child to the park. Yep. But that's it, friends. Holy tomatoes. Well, yep, like I said, none of this Appalachian Trail for me. Anyway, um, if you guys want to tell us about your Appalachian Trail experiences or you want to share a little bit more info about how we jacked up the names, mm-hmm. um, please feel free to contact us. How you do that is you can email us at mountainmysteries.appalachian at gmail.com. You can also Facebook us or Facebook message us at Mountain Mysteries Tales from Appalachia. Find us on Instagram at mountainmysteries.appalachia and support us on Patreon so we can support you with bonus episodes, bloopers, and all those fun things at patreon.com slash mountainmysteries. Haley, do you have a shout out? I do, um, and I lost it. 
Oh, dear. That's all right. It's probably on the trail. <laughs> we are going to go with Marlton, New Jersey. Oh, thank you, Marlton, New yeah. Jersey. I love it, Jersey Strong. Mm-hmm. All right, y'all. Well, we'll be back next week with some more crazy adventures. Yeah. We'll see you then. Bye. Bye.